You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Good morning, guys. Pastor Ryan here. So glad that you are joining us for today's message. I'm so excited to be able to share with you uh, from the scriptures in the book of Ephesians as we move right along. Uh, Wherever you're tuning in on your couch, uh, uh, at your desk, in your room, so glad that you are joining us. It's so good to be with you. Hey, listen, I heard a funny story just the other day, uh, a pre-COVID-19 story, but I heard about this guy who was coming out of a church one day, and the pastor was standing at the door as he always is, and he's shaking hands and saying goodbye, and he grabbed this one guy by the hand and pulled him aside, and the pastor said to him, you need to get more involved. You need to join the army of the Lord. And the man replied, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. The pastor questioned and says, well, how come I don't see you except for Christmas and Easter? And he whispered back, he said, I'm in the secret service. Oh man, it is good to be together today. Uh, so we had so many people show up on our Easter service. More than as of today, more than uh, two thousand six hundred viewers were uh, queuing in online. So I want to thank you for sharing uh, our message of Jesus and the resurrection, the real life that He offers uh, through social media. Let's continue to do that as we are in this season. Let's let's continue to share and show the love of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Well, today what I want to do is I want to jump in to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 through 31. We're going to be looking at the reality of uh, that what it means to be a loving husband. And uh, next week, the respectful wife, the following week, the gospel marriage. I want to encourage you to make sure you are part of all three of those special, special services and join us as well, The Real Life with Ryan and Leslie. We do that Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on our North Valley Community Church uh, webpage, uh, a live time where we're discussing kind of family and faith and, and all that in this crazy time. But today, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to, have a lo- to be a loving husband or to have a loving husband. If you look to the culture, you're going to be incredibly confused. Right now, say you were to Google the top 10 best shows of all times, the family shows, Cosby Show would show up as number one. And the unfortunate reality is Bill Cosby has ruined that uh, for for our, our viewers. And America looked to Dr. Huxtable as America's family man and loving husband. And it's just not the case. And But then you look in other shows like Modern Family or Roseanne or Married with Children or The Simpsons, and they all portray something of a dysfunctional, dumb husband and who's kind of out to lunch and, and doesn't have a clue. And what we've got to do is we've never can take our cues from culture. Rather, we should critique culture, and we've got to look to Jesus Christ as the example. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to see how the Apostle Paul addresses the church in Ephesus and challenges us to look at the husband as, as uh, his model is Jesus Christ. Look what it says in, in verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
That word love means the seek the highest good for another. Jesus Christ is the perfect example. Verse 26, it says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That is, Jesus Christ sanctifies the church, makes the church holy, uh, works in the life of the church. The church is the testimony of Jesus Christ. God's people, you as a Christian, are Jesus's bride. Jesus is the bridegroom. We, the church Christians, are the bride of Christ. And Jesus Christ is working in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, helping us to, to be prepared and to uh, shine and to show his love. And, and we do that as we hear God's word, that, that idea of the washing of the word is the preaching and the teaching of the Bible as we apply truth to our lives. And then in verse 27, it says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Here, the apostle Paul's talking about the relationship with, that Christ has as the bridegroom uh, to the bride, the church. And if you've ever been to a wedding before, the bride uh, dolls herself up, looks so beautiful, prepares herself. Here, it shows that Jesus is the one preparing the bride. He's taking the initiative and the action in the life of the church to make the church look beautiful, radiant. And it's God's goal is that you and I, as, as God's church, his people, are this beautiful bride that we are uh, in love with Jesus Christ and he's working in our life. The Apostle Paul is taking this analogy and placing that into the marriage and in the church. There's so much here that we're gonna have to unpack over three weeks. But now he, he drills in to this uh, role of the husband. In verse 28, it says, and in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Did you know Jesus Christ cherishes the church? He loves the church. It's God's plan A for redemption and, and getting the gospel message out into the world. He cherishes our church. He cherishes North Valley. He cherishes every local church that's out there. And then he nourishes it. How does he do that? He provides uh, gifted leaders and uh, spiritual uh, folks who have spiritual gifts and talents and skills. And he's nourishing it. And we come together and we celebrate the Lord Jesus in our worship and adoration and in our service and in our giving. And God blesses the church with extraordinary resources and gifts. And he cares for the church. And he, I believe he cares deeply for North Valley, far more than I care for North Valley. Jesus Christ cherishes North Valley Community Church, and he wants to nourish it and see that the church would grow continually. And this is the role that the husband is to play as, as just as Jesus loves the, the church, his bride, he wants husbands to love their brides. And then he says in verse 30, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a reference back to Genesis chapter two, verse 24, when um, the apostle Paul is quoting this, he's talking about the incredible importance that there is to be a bond between a husband and a wife. 
not there's to be this incredible oneness between a parent and a child. Rather, this is gonna be this special bond between a husband and a wife. And it's also indication that Paul's affirming the idea that marriage is between one man, one woman for one lifetime. And so what we're gonna do today is I wanna help you to understand kind of four different truths about loving husbands. Number one, you need to hear me that loving husbands will all struggle. There's not a single perfect person on the planet. The Bible says that we're all gonna struggle with sin. Read this verse in Ephesians 5.28. It says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Why is that? Because the two are one. And when you're loving your wife, Um, she is gonna be filled up and encouraged and love you better. But the reality is, is that's a struggle to do that. We all struggle with sin. Romans 5.12 tells us this too, how sin entered the world. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. The reality is every single person on the planet sins. We fall into sin, we stumble into sin, we deal with sin, we live in sin oftentimes, but the good news of the gospel and the resurrection is that we have power over sin to overcome our temptations. But the greatest threat that we face today is not COVID-19 virus, but it's the virus of sin. And the reality is, is that sin has infected and affected everyone and everything. So no husband is ever gonna be perfect. So for us to start on this subject and say, oh, I wish my husband was so much more loving, you have to first theologically unpack and believe and understand foundationally and fundamentally that every husband is going to struggle with sin. Not only that, but they're gonna struggle with themselves. They're gonna struggle to, 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 to be self-focused rather than others-focused. That's why the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's not an easy thing to do. I can remember different times in my marriage where I, I struggled to uh, think about my wife uh, a few years ago, I remember going into uh, the store. The kids had done really good in their grades. I went into the grocery store to pick up some snacks and treats for them. I, I got back in the car and my wife looks at me and she says, did you get me anything? And I said, oh my goodness, I, I'm so sorry. I was just thinking about the kids. I, I, was, thinking, I, I was thinking about what they wanted and I was uh, getting lost in my thoughts and, and I just got something for them. And she said, so you didn't get me anything and you weren't thinking about me. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I didn't think about you. And she said, hmm. I said, hey, sweetie, would you like me to go inside and I'll grab you something else? And she says, no, that's okay, I really don't want anything. And I thought to myself, well, that's funny, then why did you ask? And she said this, I just want you to think about me. And that's the truth that we, the, it's the thought that counts. How many times have you heard that? It is so true. And what you need to know, uh, you ladies who are married, that every single husband is gonna struggle with sin. Every single husband is gonna struggle with themselves. It's a battle within. There's two natures. There's the nature that is filled with the spirit of God. And then there's the nature that's the sinful nature or the selfish fleshly nature. 
And in that lesson, I need you to know too is that in this self-struggle, there's gonna be a significant self-struggle for every husband just in who they are. Um, I remember years ago, I was uh, in our dating years, I recall a really tough season in my life. I was struggling in business school, in college, and, and at my work, there was a bunch of layoffs. And I found myself feeling a little um, lost, uh, needing some direction. I was kind of on the fence whether I was going to go into the business world or go into full-time ministry. I had found some uh, fruitfulness and fulfillment in ministry, but uh, people at my work, the, the team that I was on started to fall apart and things started to spin out of control. And I found myself really discouraged. And I remember one night in particular during our dating years, uh, I remember sharing, opening up and sharing my heart with my, my, uh, my, my soon-to-be um, uh, uh, bride. And I said to her, I said, Leslie, I'm really discouraged in this. I think I'm going to step away uh, out of the ministry. And she put her arm around me and said, Ryan, I don't think that's a good idea. I think God's called you to ministry and I want to support you in that journey. I don't see you being happy in the business world. I see you being fulfilled and effective in ministry. Stay the course. Those words to me were some of the most helpful words. I was struggling with self. I was struggling with self-doubt, fear, anxiety, uh, discouragement, depression. I was in a funk and it took the loving words of a lady who would soon be my wife to help me. The Bible says in the very beginning that God knew that there was gonna be a struggle with self, with the husband. In, in Genesis 2.18, it says, then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Every single husband has a custom-designed weakness that is complemented and encouraged by his wife. Every single husband, uh, that while they are complete in Jesus Christ, they are greatly complemented in their relationship with their wife, and they need the help of their wife to make it through what they're going to go through. This also says that there's a great ministry for the wife to the husband. This role helper is a designation title for the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit is the helper, the wives are to be that helper. Then there's a struggle with spiritual warfare that you're gonna need to realize as a husband. You will struggle with, with forces of darkness. The Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, powers of this dark world, and against, but it's against spiritual forces of evil. You need to realize that as a husband, what you're doing is you're going toe-to-toe -to, -toe to fight with sin, self, and Satan. It, why is that? Why does Satan take an interest in your marriage? Because the marriage is the mystery reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ's covenant love towards the church. And so every marriage is a, supposed to be this mirror of a relationship, the mis mysterious relationship that Jesus has with the church. So a lot of times when you're fighting, you're like, why are we fighting? Why are we arguing all the time right now? I would say to you, take a step back and realize this is that that your greatest enemy is not your spouse. Your greatest enemy is, is, is Satan's evil work to 
infiltrate and infect you with greater sin, which always leads to death and destruction. Satan's agenda is to destroy your marriage, to derail your marriage. And so God's agenda is to keep that covenant relationship together so that you continue to be that reflection of Jesus Christ. But hear me, friends, every husband will struggle. Number two, you need to know that loving husbands ought to love more they ought to look more like Jesus, but I say this over time. It's gonna take time. According to Ephesians 5.25, it says uh, that we're to love like Jesus. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's uh, Jesus Christ has been loving on the church for 2,000 plus years. Uh, He's got a covenant commitment. It's over time. It's a long process. And for husbands to love like Jesus, it's a sanctification process. They'll look more like Jesus, live more like Jesus over time. Sanctification is not a one-time event. You don't give your life to Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden, everything is completely different. There are those stories where there's a significant change. However, uh, sanctification is a process. Um, There's also the reality, Ephesians 5, uh, 1 through 2, uh, the apostle Paul tells us that we're to live like Jesus. And he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children walk in love. Again and again and again, the apostle Paul saying it's a lifestyle, our, our love is a choice that we make to a covenant commitment to our spouse. It is a choice that we say, I will walk in love. I will be an imitator of Jesus Christ. And the husband's example is not culture, it is Jesus Christ. And so next week, we're gonna see what the wife's example is, according to the Apostle Paul. Um, Thirdly, I want to encourage you, what does a, a, a loving husband look like? A loving husband uh, is one who protects. Loving husbands protect. How do we protect? Well, Ephesians 5.25, we see uh, Christ's work here. Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That means literally he gave his life. He laid down his life. He died so that you could live. And so Jesus died for his bride. He loved the bride. He died for the church. So we don't have to. Husbands are called though to literally give themselves up and protect physically. You know, I can think of different time frames in, in my uh, marriage when we've gone on a camping trip and we hear a, a, a ruffle in the woods or whatever. My wife will say, do you think it's a bear? Will you get out and check? The worst thing I could do is say, no, sweetie, you get out and check. Now, some of you might have wives that are part ninja or CrossFit ladies. However, it doesn't matter. God has called you, husband, to be the protector. You're the one, when you hear a noise in the house, uh, you need to get out of bed. You need to grab the Louisville Slugger or the Ruger, Smith & Wesson, whatever you have to protect your household. You're the one held responsible for that. And, And you can't nudge your wife and tell her to do that. I can think of times in my life, um, what does that look like now for us? I, I, my wife loves me to lock the doors every single night uh, to protect my wife, to protect her physically. That means I've got to make sure the house is secure, lock the doors, set the alarm. Now I've messed up in times past and this is a big deal for my wife. I remember one time I grabbed the keys I came in the house. Uh, she was cooking, getting everything ready. I opened the door. I left the keys inside the, the lock. I 
Then I went to bed, I locked the doors and I set everything up and went to bed. And she said, did you lock the house? I said, I sure did. She said, did you set the alarm? I said, yes, I did. She said, good, because I was worried. I heard a report that there were some burglars in the neighborhood during the holiday season. I said, don't worry, we're good. Next morning we wake up and she says, "Um, hey Ryan, I need to borrow your car or whatever. Where's your keys? I said, I don't know, I can't find them. Sure enough, we find them. They're in the lock, in the front door. And she did not like that. Husbands, you have to realize that protection is your role that you must do. Jesus said this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Your best friend should be your wife, husband. Your best friend should be your wife. And we wanna lay down our lives. But not only that, let me tell you something. There is something chivalrous, uh, heroic about laying down your life. Most of you, if asked, husbands would say, if I asked you, would you lay down your life for your bride? You would say, yeah, I would. Because it's heroic. You're like, I'd do that. But let me ask you a question. Would you live for her every single day? I know that you'd probably die for her. I, I, I get that. You'd die for her. But would you live for her every single day? Because the metaphor here is laying down your life is not literally that, uh, you know, Paul, when he's writing that, he knows that the, 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 the Christian husbands in Ephesus, they're not going to need to stand in front of a, a Roman soldier trying to tear the family apart with a sword. He, what he's saying here, it's a daily act of carrying your cross, dying to self. It's a laying down your life, deferring, loving, encouraging, sacrificial kind of love. It's the word that is used to describe this idea of seeking the highest good for the other person. You'd say, I will protect her physically, but would you protect her emotionally? Would you make sure that she's doing really good all the time? First Peter 3, 7 says that, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. That means that you need to study her, to acknowledge her, to learn her habits, to learn her patterns. You're helping her to grow and to cultivate and make sure that the household is emotionally healthy, that your wife is emotionally healthy. I think of this protection uh, right now during this COVID-19 crisis uh, may take a very close family uh, look. When the apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6.2, he says, honor your father and mother there's a role that the husband should play as a father to the children as well that blesses the marriage. When the, husband, when the kids are getting crazy, the, the wife, the mother is getting worn out emotionally. The husband can intervene to protect uh, his wife emotionally from just the stress that goes on in the household. Then there are other folks as well outside of the home, people that are emotionally draining or discouraging and hurtful towards perhaps your spouse. You are to intervene and protect her from emotional abuse, any kind of abuse. That is your role. God has given men a level of greater strength physically that we're to use that for good, never to abuse, but to uphold, to cherish, and to protect physically and emotionally. And not only that, we're to also protect spiritually. Ephesians 5.27, um, the Apostle Paul uses this reference to describe the role that 
the groom, Jesus Christ, has with his bride, the church, by saying that without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Do you know that Jesus, as the bridegroom to his bride, the church, his agenda is that that he would make this church holy, that he would make this church radiant and beautiful and pure and and magnificent and splendorous, just incredible. And that's the very same language that the apostle Paul pushes on that the husband is to take into the life of his wife. That means to help her to grow spiritually, to ensure that she's being protected from false doctrine or thinking or worldly wisdom that is humanism and not uh, Jesus-centered, not, and, and, uh, that is Jesus-centered, not man-centered. And so it's important that the husband takes an active role. What does that look like? I'd say if you're if you're uh, looking at churches, you should, the husband should be reading doctrinal statements. They should be themselves be immersed in the scriptures and asking God for help to protect the household uh, physically, emotionally, and then spiritually as well. It's ensuring that the wife is, has her own relationship with Jesus Christ and is growing in that so that she's able to discern truth from uh, what is false or fake in the world. And it's very important that the husband takes this role in that relationship. Number four, the loving husband ought to provide. This is a challenge for, for, for some uh, to accept this teaching, but it's absolutely essential. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, the apostle Paul exhorts uh, Timothy, his protege, to pass this word on. He says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What does that mean? It means as a husband, you and me are challenged to set the precedence for all of our financial doing. We need to set the precedence as as good stewards of God, uh, that every resource that we have were to be the examples in that. That looks like giving, that looks like saving, spending, that means using a budget, that means earning income, enough that you can give your wife the option if she wanted to stay at home, she could stay at home with the kids. Uh, it means that she sh- you should get insurance, that you should make sure that you're providing for your family. Um, unbelievers understand the importance of taking responsibility. And the apostle Paul mentions that. He says, anyone who's den- the, if you haven't provided for your, your family, uh, you've denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. Unbelievers do that. We as uh, godly husbands are to provide. We're to provide financially. I remember a season and a time when um, I couldn't provide financially. I was in seminary at the time and uh, I was uh, working on uh, two master's degrees uh, and I was gonna try to get it done in three years down in Dallas. And I just didn't have enough money. And my wife did go to work and it was really tough season because we had a brand new set of twins and we were stretched and it was hard on our marriage. She was working a lot. I was working a lot, going to school full-time, 
two master's degrees and there was a season and a circumstance. And I know all of your situations are different. However, you are charged as a husband, as the head of the household to make sure that your family is financially secure. Even in this time right now, um, in this COVID-19 season, you've got to figure out how is the household going to be taken care of? Some of you may have a wife who makes a lot more money than you do. Maybe she's a lot more gifted in different areas and whatnot. That's fine. You figure it out. But you are responsible. If your family's broke or in debt, it's the husband's fault because you're in charge of the whole family. You say, how is there biblical precedence for that? Well, when we look at the responsibility of sin in the Bible, it all, all comes down to one man, Adam. From the very beginning, all throughout scripture, there, Adam is called to be the head and what's he do? His sin is passiveness. And, and so he's passive and sin enters the world, boom. And then we have this, this passive uh, sin that infects and affects every man. And we are charged not to be dominant or domineering, but to be loving and sacrificial and not to be passive, weak-willed, but to be active in leading and loving sacrificially like Jesus loved the church, our wives, and we're responsible for that. The good, the bad, and the ugly, the man is the head of the household and is called to represent that household in that. Additionally, in providing financially, we've got to provide spiritually We've got to provide spiritually. And Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. In the analogy there, the apostle Paul is indicating at some level that the husband is to play a key part in the sanctification process of his wife. That, uh, you know, the most loving thing that you could do as a husband is to lead your wife to spiritually depend on Jesus Christ more than any other. If your goal as a husband is to get your wife to love you and only you, then what you have done is set her up for idol worship. You as a husband will never in a million years be able to fill or complete all her needs. It'll exhaust you, wear you out. You are not a savior. You are an imitator of Jesus Christ, not a savior. The best thing you can do is this, is you can convince her, compel her, encourage her, resource her, uh, help her do everything she can to cultivate that relationship with Jesus Christ in providing for her spiritual needs. That means that you, perhaps that you're encouraging her to pray uh, alone with the Lord or praying with you or getting into God's word. For Leslie and I, we've been doing it for years now. We get up and we get time in God's word together, maybe 15, 20 minutes, and we just read and then we pray for one another. I grab her hand and I say, how can I pray for you today? Uh, we pray for our church, pray for our community, and we pray for one another. And that means the world. I'm providing that structure in my marriage because I believe it's important. And then I'm encouraging her. She needs time alone. She loves retreats. She loves little getaways to just to get away from it all and spend time in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oftentimes she'll go up to Sedona. She'll journal. I make sure that she's got, if she wants books, she gets books. If she needs a retreat, she gets a retreat. Why? Because when she's better filled up, with the love of Jesus Christ, then she brings that love into my household and it changes our family for the good. 
because we are a partner. The two are one. And so the goal in marriage is not two-ness, it's oneness. And that oneness is cultivated as she pursues a relationship with Jesus Christ. As I pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what? We're getting closer. And that's the cool thing about it. The, the, the loving husband has got to help provide spiritually. That looks like, get, I heard of a family said, the husband said, you know, I'm new to church, but now for me and my household, every Sunday we're going to church. I'm taking my wife, I'm taking my kids. I'm like, that is awesome. Keep doing that. And what you're gonna do is you're setting up generations upon generations for the future of blessing, God's blessing on your marriage and your family. In doing so, you're providing for her spiritually by doing those things. And lastly, I would say provide emotionally. The emotional support is incredible. And it's perhaps the hardest thing to do for a husband to be present all the time. Um, I struggle with ADD. I get distracted so easily. I got a million different projects going on all the time in my head. And to come home and to be emotionally present and keep provision emotionally for my spouse is a challenge. And the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 28 through 30. He says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. And then he goes on, he says, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. What you need to know, husband, is that the emotional connection precedes the physical connection. And another way to say it is, is when you provide emotionally um, for your spouse, you are cultivating uh, intimacy in the relationship. A lot of times uh, the husband is, thinks different. I want to have physical intimacy before emotional intimacy. That's not how it works most of the time. It works in this manner that we're constantly thinking, encouraging, trying to figure out how to emotionally fill up and provide for our spouse to make that her feel loved. And the wife has the opportunity to be the judge of is the husband loving or not. The husband cannot say, I've been so loving. The, the wife is the judge of that. And then we will see next week that the husband is the judge of the marriage in relationship to is the wife being respectful or not. Our charge is, is to be loving and to provide financially, emotionally, uh, spiritually as well. And so I wanna encourage you, uh, date nights will go better when you spend the whole day trying to fill up her love tank that you can imagine that each deposit that you make a kind act or a kind word is filling up her love tank. And the reality is, is in a time like this, um, your spouse probably needs a lot more of encouragement. And you say to me, well, what about me? Okay, we'll get to you next week in the sense of we're gonna get to see what a respectful wife looks like. The apostle Paul knows that this is critically important for the church to thrive. The family must thrive. And this is the basic building block for all of civilization is the family. And the basic building block of the family is the marriage. And what we have going on too much in American culture is the child becomes the center and the foundation of that family. That's not according to the Apostle Paul's teaching when he says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become 
one flesh. The goal in marriage is oneness. And what we're gonna see is that it takes a loving husband to say my pattern and my cue, my, my, my leader is Jesus Christ. And then it takes a wife saying, you know what? I'm gonna respond to that as well. Uh, I wanna grow in that as well. And I wanna respect that loving leadership. So here's a challenge for you is this, is I wanna challenge the husband's to share five things that you love about your wife. This week, I wanna encourage you to do that. I want you to just share. You might write them down. You might just pull her aside, but you share five things that you just love about your wife and share them with her. And if you're in a neighborhood group, share it there too. Be so bold to share. Brag about your wife. Tell, tell people what you love about her. That'll encourage her greatly. Well, let me pray for you and then we'll wrap up. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity to teach your word. I pray right now for the single men and the single ladies that are watching this. Lord, I pray that they would see all the, the common truth in this is that we're all called to be imitators of Jesus Christ. And Father, for our, our, our family, and our married couples, would you strengthen their marriage? Would they rely on you and look to you and your word to strengthen them, encourage them, edify them, and build them up? And Father, for all those that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now, I pray that they would look to you, Father, as the most loving, the most sacrificial, the greatest provider, the greatest protector, Lord. You offer life, you offer it eternally. And for those that are watching right now that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Christ, but are ready to start. I pray with me this. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge my sin. I need you in my life. I believe in Jesus Christ who died for me and gave himself up for me and rose again. And I confess him as my Lord and Savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that if you prayed that, if you believe that, that you are saved, you're, a new, you're adopted into God's family. I want to encourage you to let us know that you did that. You can just say yes, and you can text us, or you can comment in your section, just say yes, and we'd love to help you get started in your Christian journey. Well, hey, friends, before we close out, I just want to share with you one other uh, news is that... Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago that we have a $15,000 matching gift for all the families that move their giving that's just online or they've been sending in uh, their checks or whatever to move it to automated giving. Um, that is still happening for the month of April. So I wanna encourage you to help our church stay strong. We wanna move forward in this time when many churches are stepping back and we're gonna continually seek to be spiritually present yet socially distant. So I wanna encourage you to do that today. If you have not already done that, uh, automate what's important and that'll really help our uh, intelligently plan our ministry uh, in the coming months. So great being with you guys. Uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.